Hello and welcome to Mason Hayes and Kern's Law Podcast. My name is Gorna Garveo and I'm a Senior Associate in the Corporate Governance Compliance Team. And I'm very pleased to be joined today by Stephen Gillick, Head of Pensions at Mason Hayes and Kern, who's going to share with us what he believes should be the focus areas for pension trustees and employers as we continue to live with the COVID-19 pandemic. Stephen, thank you for joining us. Thanks a million, Grania, and it's great to be here. So can I start by asking you, in light of the COVID pandemic, what should be the priorities for trustees and employers in terms of pensions over the coming months? Yeah, I, I think the pandemic has moved. Initially, I mean, we're looking back in March, so six, seven months ago, it, it came as an awful shock to every segment of Irish society, so, so not just pensions. So the immediate concern for pension schemes was to look what they need to do to contain the effects of the of the virus itself. So I, I think one of the initial aspects was looking at investment decisions. What investment decisions, if any, had to be made? Uh, something in the investment decisions that was surprising was how well, in fact, the ESG, that's environmental, social and governance models, actually did. Because if I would have predicted something in March, I would have said there'd be a flock away from ESG towards more known stocks, more reliable stocks. So the kind of fossil fuels and the historic stocks that have done well. But surprisingly, ESG did very well. So we saw investment decisions being made. But one of the things that's surprising and very pleasant uh, surprise was that ESG, by and large, investments in ESG were maintained. We saw a lot of big pensions uh, projects being delayed. So these were typically uh, big restructurings of defined benefit pension schemes or companies putting in place new defined contribution arrangements. So as with all industry, a pause button was put on a lot of these projects. And thankfully, we're seeing that pause button being uh, returned to a play setting now and a lot of them are actually going ahead and the projects are moving on in the third and fourth quarter of the year and then an interesting uh, action was something that that's in your field uh, actually how will pension schemes and the governance models how will they actually work during the course of the pandemic yeah because that's actually one thing that we see a lot of is how should how should companies be dealing with the holding of virtual meetings so from a pension perspective, what should trustees be doing about that? Yeah, and that was one of the initial things we saw. Uh, trustees, by and large, they, they were used to physical meetings. But obviously, when the pandemic hit, this couldn't happen. So the first thing we had to do as lawyers was advise the trustee groups on how the meeting could progress. Could it progress electronically and what other uh, issues were there in terms of the retention, circulation of documentation. Mm. Um, so the first thing we really had to do was look at the trust documentation, governing documentation of pension schemes and ascertain could the, uh, the meetings be held electronically. Now, unless you were dealing with a very, very old pension scheme, most of the documentation facilitated electronic meetings. Uh, they didn't really think about Zoom and, and all of these uh, fantastic things such as blue jeans and whatnot that we're all uh, fantastically aware of now. But they were, they were kind of set up the schemes for uh, conference calls and the like. So a lot yeah. of them they actually morphed into it quite well. That's great. And what about business continuity plans? Did you have to examine those or, or think how pensions would use those to their benefit now? 
Yeah, a lot of a lot of schemes, a lot of the more sophisticated schemes would have uh, business continuity plans in place, be it the service providers, actually some trustee, professional trustees had business continuity plans in place. So there was a lot of business continuity plans being assessed and being put into action. By and large, they worked well, but I think now is probably a time for assessment where trustees, service providers and employers should look at their business con- continuity plans and assess what worked, what didn't, Mm. because I think it should be seen as a fluid model. And those pieces that didn't work, now would be the time to really look at how to beef those up or tweak them to make them work as we enter a new phase of the pandemic. And do you think, is there any key areas that trustees and employers need to focus a little bit more on now in light of COVID-19? Yeah, I think something that from a member perspective what's disappointing was the level of communications so communications and pension schemes are largely governed by legislative requirements so in the pensions act itself or disclosure regulations and they simply uh, simply set out a, a list of information that must be provided to members to trustees to trade unions and various other interested groups but i, I think when the pandemic hit, I think members, there was a bit of an absence of communications with members as to, is this hitting our investments hard? Uh, are there procedures in place? So I think definitely if I could turn back time, I think the issue of member communications and how effectively what the trustees, our employers, our service providers were doing were communicated to the members should have been done a bit more, uh, a bit better. Um, For instance, you're seeing a lot of uh, trustee meetings perhaps being held by Zoom. And I think one of the issues that that flows out of that would be the compliance with GDPR. Because Mm. I've I've seen issues, and once again, this is an area that you'll be totally familiar with, Grania, where documents are shared over platforms that aren't really meant to be sharing sensitive uh, pensions documentation, be it WhatsApp uh, or other, perhaps even uh, an unsecured, unprotected email address. Um, So there's a lot of issues with that, and that kind of feeds into the whole member communications and indeed trustee communication point that I think needs needs to be looked at. And what about in terms of defined contribution, defined benefit schemes? Yeah, defined contribution, as I said, I think one of the main issues with defined contribution through the pandemic is looking at the investments and how they uh, actually worked. Were the investments, did they need to tweak them and change them? And one thing that we learned from the financial crisis, so back in 08, was that any sort of knee-jerk reactions in terms of investments true you lose uh, when all the investments go down but you also miss the upswing of those investments because you've moved out to possibly a safer a safer asset class such as cash mm-hmm. although cash now is is hardly safe as you're mm-hmm. probably going to lose with the negative interest rates so defined contribution i think the investment focus is something but also i think dc trustees employers have to look as we discussed earlier at the business continuity plans how they work how they function Defined benefit, you have the typical issues in relation to scheme funding. So actuarial advice was was typically needed throughout the pandemic to assess 
what effect was the pandemic having on valuations and what, if any, actions needed to be taken. Uh, and indeed, I've seen a lot of covenant assessments being undertaken in defined benefit schemes. And what that means in simple terms is simply trustees looking at the obligation of the employer to fund that scheme and how strong that obligation is in terms of the, the wording of the trust documentation, the financial position of the employer. So trustees were rightly concerned that the employer was able to uh, fund the schemes going forward. And then another issue that we're probably seeing is in relation to how ready are the defined contribution schemes in terms of auto enrollment going forward. And for those of us less familiar, Stephen, with pensions, what exactly is auto enrollment or what do we need to be aware of? Yeah, auto enrollment. Now, it's very successful in many, many jurisdictions around the world. Uh, it effectively means that instead of the existing position in Ireland, where the minimum position in terms of pensions in Ireland is that an employer has to offer access to employees to what's known as a personal retirement savings account or PSA. So there's no obligation for the employer to contribute. They simply have to facilitate a meeting between the employee and a representative of the life office that's offering uh, the PSA. So that has resulted essentially in an issue where a lot of individuals have no pension coverage uh, whatsoever, no pension scheme in place. Mm -hmm. So the government are looking at filling this gap by bringing in auto-enrollment or AE, whereby employees will be auto-enrolled in a pension scheme going forward. Now, pre-COVID, the plan was to have this fully up and running in Ireland by 2022. Uh, you're going to see that inevitably I think it's going to be pushed out now various mm -hmm. uh, uh, parties have flagged that this is still the intention to bring it in when it comes in how much it actually costs in terms of employer contributions and employee contributions that's all up in the air it's at the consultation uh, phase at the moment but it is definitely going to come in it's it come in 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 the UK where it's very successful because it started off with small employers and uh, larger employers, sorry, and has moved on to the smaller employers in the last round. So it's been brought in slowly and the contribution rates are low, but mm -hmm. those contribution rates uh, are increasing over time. So it has been successful in the UK. Hopefully we can learn some lessons from the way the UK brought it in and tweak our um, model to be yeah. somewhat more successful in various areas. But it's something that, uh, to listeners, I think we're going to have in place, I suggest not 2022, but I'd say maybe 2024. So definitely something to be aware of and to be thinking about as you're, as you're looking at your looking at your different focus areas at the moment. Certainly, certainly. I think if you're looking at putting in, turn, putting in a pensions arrangement for your employees now or for the next few years, you should certainly look at auto enrollment, how it may come in whether the arrangement you're putting in place is capable of meeting the obligations in AE. So can I ask you, you touched very briefly there on the sharing of information in GDPR and like you know the, the use of say WhatsApp as a sharing platform. Um, this is one area I wanted to talk to you about. So how has pensions adapted to GDPR? Or are you seeing issues with compliance in general? Yeah, I, I think when GDPR came in, pensions and pension schemes were somewhat 
of an afterthought because I think employers were fully cognizant of their obligations and what they needed to do and that, the obligations of a processor, a controller. So I think employers, by and large, were very good, but they didn't really think too much about the pension schemes that they participate mm-hmm. in and what their obligations are in terms of the information that they perhaps provide to a service provider, to the trustees. So they came late to the party, but I think mm-hmm. pension schemes did get a grip on GDPR and the levels of compliance I'm seeing are high. I I think as I highlighted, the pandemic did highlight some areas where I think there could possibly issues going forward uh, in terms of sharing documentation Mm. through uh, sources that may not be as secure. I think the absence of physical meetings may have led to issues with the storage of documentation. Uh, One area that I've come across quite a lot during the last six months was in relation to letters of wishes, which simply are that most most pension schemes would provide a debt and service lump sum to an individual. So a letter of wishes is simply, it tells the trustees of the scheme who you'd like to receive that lump sum. And there were various issues during the pandemic in relation to obtaining access to these letters. Mm-hmm. And then I, I came across some issues in relation to should these documents be stored electronically or should they be kept in their physical form because some uh, providers I know had uh, a process whereby the letter of wishes was sent in it was scanned onto their own system and then the original letter was shredded which is obviously problematic because then you're relying on the scan itself and and how readable that is and if there are issues down the line you, you could have problems so by and large gdpr it's an ongoing uh, ongoing process of learning i'd say for pension schemes levels of compliance so far have been relatively high although definitely i think the pandemic has highlighted some, some issues and do you think is it is it a good time now to look at the measures that were put in place when GDPR was first introduced, and then to assess whether they are still working for the schemes? Yep, without a shadow of a doubt. And once again, this feeds into your, your practice area, and I'm sure you're, you're seeing issues in relation to GDPR, because when it came out, I think everyone was great for getting lists of what needs to be done. Oh, we need to keep a list of the documentation that's sent to X, Y, Z. Yeah. We need to be cognizant of why that document, uh, documentation is sent, uh, sent, how long it's retained for, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think now is the perfect time to actually have a look at those lists and to see if these tasks are actually being done because Mm. it's all good and well and it is very reassuring. It's a bit like a safety blanket, having a list. Everyone loves a list. I love a list. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All lawyers love lists. But I I think, and and I've got a a sneaky suspicion that a lot of... uh, companies, employers across the board were using the list as something of a crutch. So I think now is the time to actually look at this and and to kind of take a view on, are we complying with this obligation here? Uh, Does the overall list need to be updated? Uh, Is it incorrect? So I think the obligations in GDPR, we need to revisit one, uh, is our list correct? And two, if our list is correct and the obligations that are set out in it, uh, are we actually doing them? So definitely a good time to, to brush out those lists. To assess things. So finally, Stephen, I've got one more question in terms of defined contribution, defined benefit schemes. 
So it seems like there's been a move from defined benefit schemes to defined contribution schemes. And the basis for that is that defined contributions are seen as, as a less risky scheme um, for employers. But are there still risks for employers when establishing a defined contribution scheme? Yep, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, every pension scheme has a level of risk and defined benefit is certainly riskier because of the investment model and the, the contribution model in relation to defined benefit scheme. But a defined contribution scheme, firstly, uh, an employer uh, would, would be totally and utterly uh, negligent if they didn't actually review and have a look at the scheme that they're setting up for their employers or the scheme. Some of them are off the shelf with... Uh, various life offices where the employer simply uh, signs a number of documentation and the scheme's up and running. But the employer still needs to go through these documents and assess uh, what obligations they're signing up for. For instance, a lot mm. of the schemes have indemnity policies in there. And the employer could, if, if it doesn't review the documentation, be giving a pretty open-ended indemnity to the trustees of the pension scheme in relation to any issues that could arise. And there's all manner of issues that can arise with a defined contribution scheme, be it uh, investment underperformance, you've got issues in relation to the benefits that mm -hmm. they could provide at the, at the end of the scheme when the individual retires. So there's a lot of different schemes out there. They all contain different obligations for the employer. So first off, I'd advise any employer to conduct due diligence on the scheme itself. And then secondly, I think you'd have to look at what's the trustee model. If the employer is setting up a trust-based scheme, there's going to be a trustee involved. Will that be individuals who work in the company uh, or will it be a professional trustee? We're seeing a move away from individuals in the company simply because a trustee's job is becoming more and more onerous. And it's seen as easier for an individual to for the employer rather to appoint a professional trustee but mm. the employer needs to consider one uh the expense of appointing a professional trustee secondly uh what the professional trustee is actually going to do and will they do it because once again you may have an indemnity in the trustee towards a professional trustee uh and the trustee is the most important role in a pension scheme be it that they're going to manage the investments and uh, and be in charge of paying out at the end because i mean you're looking at down the road where we are in a defined contribution world now where the vast majority of pension schemes are defined contribution but i think the contribution rates going into a lot of these schemes are at a rate that when it comes to retirement a lot of employees are going to get an unpleasant surprise in terms of the benefits that that will provide for them mm. so i think We've got to be accurate as employers and trustees and everyone in the pensions industry in relation to what is communicated to members and how best they can optimise saving for retirement. So defined contribution, but not risk-free at all, Grania. It's yeah. um, got many, many pitfalls in there for, for members, employers, trustees. Well, that's all, all the time we have today. So Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really interesting to get an update on how the pensions world has adapted to living in COVID-19 times. So for our next podcast, Stephen will be in the hot seat again, and he'll be joined by Jerry Moriarty, the CEO of the Irish Association of Pension Funds. And they're going to be discussing the way which pension schemes can get ready for the IORP2 legislation that's expected in upcoming months. For more on our events and podcasts, you can visit mhc.ie. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.